0: Hey, welcome to Alex listens, a podcast about nothing. Um I have I have no friends, uh and and I make this podcast as an excuse to um use my voice because otherwise I have no one to communicate to. Um that that may or may not be true. Uh but hey, welcome. Um this is actually a podcast about um philosophy maybe, um and a few other things, identity, I'm not sure. Uh you should go and listen to some other episodes. Um, you should listen to this one. Uh, yeah. You should give me all your money as well. Um, yeah. So, um, who am I? Um, my name's Alex. Uh, I live in London at the moment. Um, I oversleep and I don't eat regularly enough. Uh, and it makes my makes my blood sugar get really low and then everything goes all fuzzy and warm. And it's kind of nice, but I should probably be uh, a bit more vigilant about, um, my, my calorie intake or whatever. Um, how are you? Who are you? Um, if I've never met you, that's pretty cool. If I have, that's also pretty cool. And maybe we're friends. Um, if you want to be my friend, um, you should send me a message or something. You can contact me on Instagram. Um, at Alex listens, you know, pick up your phone, whatever, send me a message Do people even listen to these introductions. Maybe I should just put like a timestamp thing so people can skip the bullshit. Um, my mom really hates the introductions. I think it's really funny. Um, I think it's funny that she hates them. Um, because I don't really know why, like I'm her son. Um, maybe I should be really alarmed. Um, but I, I guess I'm not, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you should please, please get in contact with me. Some people have, it's becoming more and more regular. That's really great. Uh, you should, you should contact me, um, on Instagram or via email. My email is contact at alex.co and that's Alex spelled A L E K S. Um, if you don't know that by now, I don't, I don't know what to tell you about anything ever. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So if, If you enjoy the podcast, you should consider supporting it because I will never, ever, ever have ads on this podcast. Um, I'm not that, uh, narcissistic and, uh, I don't want to, um, tarnish and spoil your earbuds, ear drums, ears. I don't want to spoil your ears with, um, some rubbish about some product that you really don't need. Um, but I rely on, I rely on your support. Um, and I rely on your potential for support. So I really enjoy making this podcast, but obviously, uh, like this world is as it is at the moment is a place where, um, one thing that we can do is support projects and creative things that we like. So if you like the podcast, please support it somehow. Um, you can do so via Patreon. Um, I'll put a link in the bio for this episode. Patreon's really cool. It allows you to become, uh, kind of a regular supporter of the podcast. So I guess you pledge an amount and then every episode I release that will go towards, um, the podcast, like, I don't know, I have expenses, whatever, audio equipment, re- um, time, research, venue stuff. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh yeah, you can support via PayPal, but fuck PayPal. Um, no, PayPal's fine. Uh, all of this is on my website, www.alex.co, Alex, Alex, obviously A-L-E-K-S. Um, yeah, there's a contribute tab, click on that, I don't know, whatever. I don't really feel comfortable plugging myself, but I guess that's what, like, that's what people do. Um, what else can I talk about? Um, what else can I talk about before I start talking about today's show? Has anything eventful happened to me recently? Um... Oh, I, I haven't seen, uh, Parasite yet. Um, but, but last night I wanted, I was like, do you ever get in those moods where you want to be frightened by something? Like you just feel deep inside you that you want to be terrified. I felt that. And I, I asked the people around me in my house, whether any of them knew any ghost stories and none of them did. So if you know any ghost stories, um, like, or have any links to cool ones, like send them to me, please. Um, and then when I'm in those moods, when I want to be terrified, I can, I can look at them. Um, yeah, uh, otherwise, um, I guess all I can tell you is that, uh, maybe you're a cool person and maybe you should sleep, uh, regularly. Um, I listened to this, uh, there's this guy, Lex Friedman, uh, he's pretty robotic sounding. Um, uh, Joe Rogan interviewed him. Um, the weird thing about Joe Rogan's podcast is that like he gets cool guests like Bernie Sanders and, um, uh, yeah, Uh, (laughs) maybe, maybe, maybe Bernie Sanders is the only cool guest, um, that Joe Rogan's had. Um, and yeah, he interviewed this guy, Lex Friedman about AI and stuff. Anyway, um, Lex, uh, Lex has his own podcast and I was listening to him and Elon Musk talk and Elon Musk is like super weird, obviously. Um, but he like, Lex and him both like don't sleep very much and like I'm uh, I think sleep is really good and so Lex if you're out there <laughs> we should have a conversation about sleep Elon if you're out there we should talk about sleep because um I think my preference is to be unconscious um I've actually said that like for like 4 years now and I'm not sure whether it's actually what I believe but I think I find the everyday world really overwhelming and I kind of like the break of sleep and I can't imagine being awake for like two days working on tech stuff, but maybe that's why I'm not in tech. Um, and it's probably why I'm not in tech. Um, but anyway, this actually isn't irrelevant because in today's episode, I interviewed the head of the philosophy department at King's college, London. Her name is Maria Alvarez. Um, her area of specialty is, uh, the philosophy of action. And what does that mean? That means like, um, uh, like how, how do we think about ourselves as conscious agents? How do we think about ourselves as things that interact with the world? Um, as in I do something, it changes the world and the world changes me. Like how are we supposed to think about all of this kind of stuff? And before when I was talking about, um, sleep and, and being overwhelmed by things, we actually spoke a lot about this because, uh obviously there are varying degrees to which all of us are impacted by our surroundings um some people maybe more than others maybe some not at all like the stra- the protagonist from camus the stranger and every time i i mention that book um i guess it's becoming more and more clear that i am just uh a philosophical um sad boy um soft boy soft boy sad boy as well um you know, that Instagram page, beam me up soft boy. Maybe I should interview them. That'd be cool. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, I spoke with, uh, Maria Alvarez and we spoke about her, her, what we spoke about what it's like being the head of like one of the best philosophy departments in the world. Um, and, and I asked her whether her philosophy influences the way she kind of navigates her role. And then we spoke about, we spoke about race as well. And we spoke about kind of what it means for someone to be racist and how them as agents, how, um, their experience has probably informed the way they think about race and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So it's a really, it's a really cool interview. Um, and I'm really grateful for Maria having made the time because, um, yeah, like I, I'm kind of, uh, really flattered by all of these people agreeing to talk to me because like, I'm like this student with like, with no job, like no, like, like no full-time job like them. Um, and they have full-time jobs and like they manage like faculties and like still have time to like talk on a podcast and I don't even have time to like wake up. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, enjoy the episode. It's really cool um, support the podcast, please. One thing you can do is like leave a review on iTunes or something. If you don't want to like invest financially in me, if you don't care about me at all, um, please like go on iTunes, Alex listens, whatever, leave a review, um, or get in contact with me and just say, hi, I like the podcast because, and, and if there's, if there are any people that, who you want me to talk to, um, send them my way. If you have any cool contacts or whatever, send them my way because I'm always looking for new people to talk to an interview and new things to think about. Um, anyway, uh, it's been nine minutes and 41 seconds. Um, sorry, mum, for making the introduction too long. Uh, I love you all. Goodbye. Oh, well not bye, but enjoy the interview. Bye. Okay. So hi, Maria. Thanks for joining me.
1: Hi Alex, thank you. Thank hey. you for inviting me. So. Oh hey, my
0: pleasure. Um, <laughs> so you are actually one thing. One thing that uh, one thing that I find interesting about um, about your work is that you are the head of the philosophy department. Right. Um, and that sounds pretty terrifying, but may- maybe it isn't.
1: Well, I mean, I I became head in August uh, twenty nineteen. Okay. And um, Being head of department can be a nightmare or it can be quite interesting. It depends a lot on what the department is like, how cohesive it is. I mean, there is a lot of administrative work and that means you have less time to do research and indeed you tend to do less teaching. Um, But... There is a lot about it that is very interesting because you are uh, working very closely with your colleagues to make sure everything runs smoothly Mm. and also trying to help them to to do the things they want to do, both in terms of teaching and research and so on. Mm. So all of that is good. Um, It's time consuming. And sometimes there are difficult things that you have to deal with that can be, um, you know, intimidating or difficult because sometimes people can have big problems, Mm. but it is actually also very satisfying. Uh, The less satisfying aspect of it is dealing with the structures of management and uh, organization and power in institutions. I mean, partly because they are so big and Mm. and, uh, sometimes, you know, it's very difficult to reach the center of power that you need to reach for the things that you want to happen happen, and so on. But, you know... My department is a very happy and cohesive department, and there is very good sense of uh, collegiality, people work together, mm. and so that makes it really great. That's, mm. that's, that's why it is actually quite nice to be head of department, given that it has to be done.
0: <laughs> okay, and has it like... Because I, I guess your one of your main areas of interest is the philosophy of action, and um, I, I wonder whether your philosophy has influenced your, like... Because I guess it's it's a position of, like, authority being the head of the department. Have you, like, had to have a think about, like, where, what kind of acts you want to do, what kind of decisions you want to make?
1: Um, yeah, probably. I mean, maybe not in the sense that I um, rely a lot on my philosophical training. Mm. I think I'll, part of it is common sense. But I, okay. I, I think one thing you do... Have to think about is when you need to intervene uh, to encourage things to go in one direction. When you don't need to intervene and you can just allow things to go the way they've been going. So sometimes um, things are running very smoothly, but you may think it's time to improve. Some sometimes there may be things that are not going so well, and some. But often the it's just keeping an eye, and so that's a good question. Uh, because in a sense what you're doing what's the active part of it is keeping an eye making sure things are happening but you're not intervening you're not sort of causing a difference which is how i think of 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 uh, sorry how i think of agency as primarily as making a difference to what happens okay and sometimes as you were what you need to do is not to make a difference because things are going quite well. You just want to make sure that uh, they don't start going in the wrong direction or, or, you know. Mm. So you're right, there is quite (laughs) quite a bit of Uh, the distinction between acting and uh, not acting, allowing, enabling, omitting to do all of those things and also seeing what people are doing and not doing when you need to remind them that they need to do things.
0: Uh, Yeah, right. Well, that (laughs) would be a pretty convenient... um, time to move into your actual philosophy. Um so like yeah, you've mentioned a number of things uh like action in action being an agent. Um where where do you think would be a convenient place to begin?
1: Um so maybe, you know, I think when people are interested in what we call the philosophy of action or the nature of agency, um, It's it's a topic that has many dimensions and links in with many different other areas of philosophy. So um, if you think purely about what it is to be an agent, uh, something or someone that makes things happen, uh, you could think of that as primarily a metaphysical question. And you know, for example, Aristotle and I tend to agree with him, thought that the phenomenon of agency is found throughout. The natural world, so not just human beings and perhaps animals, but also plants and inanimate things. In some ways, they are agents because they some some of them are agents because they make things happen. And also that there is uh, the the notion of an agent, and as it were a patient, the thing to which something uh, a change is um, that undergoes a change because something acts on it. Mm. Uh, it's relative. To a particular change. So, I mean, perhaps the most obvious example might be if you think of two people boxing. They are both agents and patients. Agents insofar as they are um, landing punches, and patients insofar as they are receiving them. <laughs> um, but there, there. So, I think Aristotle uh, was identified a very important notion, which is that we think of particular substances, kinds of things. Often in terms of the things they can do. So mm. just to give you an idea, you may think, uh, what is bleach? Well, y- you could have the chemical composition, but you also think, well, it's something that may- can make other things become whiter. Mm. Uh, so it whitens things; it has that power. And so, as I was saying, you know, there is that that sort of understanding of what agency is, which is just very broadly making, causing a difference, making causing a change, uh, but. People are often interested in agency or action because they're interested in the question of what things we do voluntarily or intentionally. Mm. And that obviously has massive implications in politics, in ethics, in law, in the in legal philosophy. So understanding uh, when something you do is voluntary or intentional, what it is to do something with a further intention that's, you know a question that um, is having, I think, thinking clearly about those issues is central to many questions in uh, legal philosophy and moral Mm -hmm. philosophy, political philosophy, and it also ties in with the philosophy of mind, because we are immediately thinking about um, what's in the mind as an intention, and what's, how that's manifested uh, outwardly in Physical agency, as it were, agency that involves changes to the body and to things beyond the body, mm. and so th- those are two dimensions in which one might think about agency. And uh, one, as I say, is m- a narrower f- focus of in- interest. And I think is um, very important to remember the two dimensions because I think they are quite closely connected. And I think you un- end up with a better understanding. Of, for example, intentional action. If you think more broadly about what it is to be an agent, what mm. it is to be a patient, and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, okay. One thing. One thing that I. Uh, one point that I often reach in my kind of philosophical thinking is, um, it's kind of like this nihilistic. Uh, I see. Yeah. I seem. I seem to. Sp- to get, like, I, I think mm. about, so, like, when I think about agency, I'm very interested by the idea that I can be this thing which has an impact on the world, but I guess also I am impacted by the world and formed right. by the world. So there's yeah. this, like, strange reciprocal relationship that um, will configure me mm-hmm. and I will configure the world in mm-hmm. some respect. But um, one one question that I so, like, I, I have an interest in philosophy of mind, mm-hmm. um, and I recently spent a lot of time reading about the problem of other minds,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, like, how, how can we know that other minds exist? Um, and then I got to this point, which I've also kind of got to when I've thought about myself as an acting conscious agent, which is the point where I think, why why do I even need to ask myself this question mm-hmm. if I can... If I feel like I'm successfully interacting with the world, like unless there is some kind of deep problem or something that I can identify that's really hindering my engagement with the world, why are these why are these questions important for us to ask?
1: You mean generally the questions of what it, you know in what sense we are agents, or or do you mean more specifically the question of other minds?
0: Um, well, I, I think. Like maybe we'll keep it to the the question of agency, um mm-hmm. because yeah i I think like yeah, like, but I guess they're both kind of they're both a similar, they're both about well at least when when we're talking about humans, I guess it's about subjective, how the subjective meets with things that aren't subjective, mm-hmm. but i i'm not I'm not sure maybe right. it's an unfair question because no, I mean
1: so i I mean, I think um perhaps one reason why this problem arises for us very acutely is that we um we think a lot <laughs> mm. and so we you know we are agents uh in many different or many different modalities let's say so we there is a lot of what our life is about which is uh, habitual activity um i don't mean just the fact that there, there are lots of, as it were, automatic reactions. I don't mean just that, but even as you think of what you do every day, there is a lot that you don't reflect on that you just do, like having breakfast and so on. And then within those uh, things, there are perhaps things that go wrong or perhaps decision, small decisions one has to make. You know, shall I have cereal or uh, fried eggs for breakfast? Um, and then, of course, that you know amplifies into important decisions and or incidents during your life, during the day that may be more or less important, like someone pushes you and you feel an instinct to react in a slightly unpleasant way. Yeah. And, and I think perhaps, I mean, what makes this an acute problem for us is precisely the fact that we can reflect on all of these phenomena and reflect on the fact that... Our reflection may lead us to change what we do. Mm. So for example, you know, many of us may feel uh when you're in the tube and someone gives you, you know, push with a rucksack, that perhaps the immediate reaction is to push them back and <laughs> insult them or something if you're in a bad mood or you're mm. tired. Um but you think, yeah, okay, that's not, you know, not the right thing to do. Perhaps they haven't realized mm. the right thing to do. Maybe just to say, excuse me, have you realized? Could you be a bit more careful and so on? So we we have this rational capacity to reflect on what we, as it were, as a matter of fact, do or could do, and to assess it and mm. and, and assess whether you know, relative to a variety of. Um, criteria, some of which may be ethical, some of which may be pragmatic or, you know, um, or to do with uh, prudential, with our well-being, you know, I would eat all of these, but perhaps it's not such a good idea. And, so on. and I think that's where you begin to get questions about, well, how much am I in control of what I do and how much am I simply reacting to a number of factors which may be, um Biological or physiological, genetic, sociological, political, ideological, and so on. And those are very different levels of influence that we become aware are real factors that they don't perhaps fully determine what they do. Some of them fully determine what we can do. So, you know, I started saying that we are agents with certain powers, but Mm. uh, perhaps we know that no human being can do certain things like jump higher than five meters, Mm. I mean, that is already nobody. (laughs) Uh, But also that maybe I particularly cannot uh, jump no matter how much I train, that I wouldn't be able to jump as high as the best athletes because I don't have it perhaps in my physique to do that. Um, So we begin to know, to realize that there are limitations in our nature or in our particular makeup and then other limitations which are not like that but are more to do with... um, habits or views, values, and so on. And those are more apparently changeable because you could reflect on them and realize that what's been guiding you is not so great and so on. But there is also, of course, limitations, even within that, that you may either want to change those things but find it quite challenging because they require a lot of willpower or concentration and dedication and, you know, your demands on your time to do other things. Or because you feel powerless uh, in the face of the forces that surround you and are influencing you to do things, and that I guess is something that many of us are very aware of. Because it, when we think about uh, the giants of, you know, uh, digital media of, of the great companies, and we begin to realize what kind of power they could. Perhaps they do already have over us, mm. and what kind of power they could have, and how we can fight them, fight that individually and generically. That that's really very kind of um, rambling answer. No, but no, <laughs> no. Actually, I
0: think I think you did answer my question because um, I think, yeah, at at the core of my question was an internal struggle that I didn't really articulate, which was um, the struggle between knowing that i exist and then knowing that there are different ways that i can exist and mm-hmm. i think like i think that it's really foolish not to think about questions of action and morality and what is valuable and should we be allowing these big tech companies to influence our decision making mm-hmm. because at the end of the day all of all of those things like the things that come that uh, that inform our existence, morality, ethics, whatever, um, our psychology. Like, if if you're not if you're not if you're not asking yourself what it means for you to be an agent, or what it means for you to be something that is informed by those things, then I guess you're kind of neglecting right what it means right. to be at all.
1: Yes, I mean that. I think that does raise a very interesting question, which is um, so we, we when we start. Talking, I said, you know, being an agent is making a difference. And when you asked me about being head of department, I said often the difference is uh, or the interesting, difficult question sometimes is when to intervene and when not to intervene. Mm. I think when we think about our own agency, for example, who we are and becoming who we are and perhaps who would then we would like to be, you realize that a lot of the ethical failures that many of us probably uh, would have to face up to are not so me- so much or necessarily things that we've done but things we have failed to do. Yeah. <laughs> Omissions, yeah. so they, another sort of big issue in, in the philosophy of action. You know, an omission is at not doing something perhaps that in some sense you ought to do, in some sense of ought, whether it's um, moral or not. And of course, One area where we have a kind of agency is the capacity to reflect, as you were saying, on who you are or the kind of agent you are. And the failure to reflect means that perhaps uh, you will become, it'll be much harder for you to to have the kind of control. I mean, you know, our control is very limited. We have to accept that. But it's not absolutely nothing Mm. that there is. In fact, it's limited, but it's also quite substantial. Mm. And that's quite an interesting thought. And I think uh, part of, you know, the beginning of, of that control is the capacity to reflect mm. on, on those things. The capacity to accept that all of us are all the time hugely influenced, not just by the big tech companies, but by each other fashions. You know, we do conform in all sorts of ways. Um But that we need to realize that that's true and be constantly reflecting about why, which things we are conforming with and why and whether we are happy with that. Mm. And I mean, that's, of course, why philosophy more broadly is such an important discipline. I think All, all academic disciplines are, many of them, at least in the humanities, the sciences as well are about critical reflection, but, you know, critical reflection which is one of the crucial things that philosophy both teaches to do and as it word does applied to a range of issues is central also individually So I for example uh, think that the way in which we are we can become autonomous or free agents in some sense of that word is partly through individual endeavor so I do' I'm, I'm partly through, Group endeavor, social, okay. political. So I'm, I, I think people often tend to go to think oh, it's either one or the other. It's all you and what you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Or now the individual is powerless and it's only through political action or social, social, political action. I think both are hugely important because mm. I think the kind of person you are, your character and so on, a lot of it is given to you, but I think you can do something, at least to become aware of what you're like and accept it and try to change it or at least ameliorate its Mm. effects. But also I think uh, it's important to realize that we are social creatures and that we cannot make big changes, most of us, without
0: um, a group. A group, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, um, I'd like like to talk about that. Um, I think that's a really interesting... uh, because yeah, I, like that's a that's something that i have i I've thought about, like uh, I'm, I guess I'm quite an introverted person, so mm-hmm. like my preference is um, to be alone most of the time. Right. Um, and I've realized that there's only so much kind of introspection. And so much <laughs> self richness. <sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that there yeah. is there. Yeah, that there's actually to explore. Like, yeah, yeah, and like, what's interesting is that a lot of the insights that I get into myself are only brought about by being around right. others. Yes. And so there's like, yeah, this like awful conflict that I feel where like I, I get I'm socially exhausted, but then I'm like, look, I've spent like the past twenty three years <laughs> alone. <laughs> <laughs> like i can't i can't keep. so
1: wh- why do you think you are um so wh- why do you like to be on your own is that is that how you would describe it that um
0: i guess like it might be a bit like may- maybe i kind of oversold how uh how alone i am, but i guess um i'm an only child mm-hmm. um and fortunately my mum was very thoughtful during my upbringing right. and made sure that i was constantly doing things Mm -hmm. so i don't think i spent much time alone as a right until i was like maybe 18
1: so do you mean doing things with other yeah Yeah. like always like after school yeah like i had to play
0: sport i had to do instruments whatever um but into like to answer the question of why i why my preference now is kind of like yeah i guess like it's it's strange. Like a lot of my friends really like going out to bars and stuff and being around crowds. And like I really, I actively avoid mm-hmm. situations like mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think the reason why is because I find it, I find like, I think like this is probably speculation, but I find something about being around a lot of people really distracting from any kind of clear, thoughts mm-hmm. that I can have. And I don't like that very much. Right, right. Um, and I think by nature I'm quite anxious. So I think like, yeah, the psychological impact of groups yes. is like quite yeah. like flattening for me. Yes. And so I think maybe that's why I've kind of sought refuge in introversion. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I guess, yeah, I, I've realized that like it's actually quite unhealthy to, mm-hmm. to spend a lot of time alone and, mm-hmm. um, at least in the, in the ways that I have in the past, like I I have avoided, like I've cancelled all my plans for like yes. a few weeks and I like see. just kind of done my own thing, and then I emerge after three weeks and I've kind of lost, like so, like seriously, like uh, it's a cliche that phrase, but like I've actually lost touch with like w- what it what it's like to be an agent in a world that isn't just in my just head,
1: in your head. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. As I said earlier, I think. The capacity to reflect, which is so central to the dimensions of agency that uh, perhaps give us a a sense of control or Mm. autonomy or freedom, it's also a source of anguish and (laughs) angst and um, fear, frustration, uh, sort of all sorts of potentially negative uh, thoughts because... Maybe we feel a kind of vertigo, I mm. mean, so it gives you a certain power, but it also uh is scary and uh, perhaps it can be different for different peop- from di- for different people. Mm. Maybe you look in and you don't see very much you don't like very much what you yeah. see <laughs> yeah. yeah uh or you become obsessed with things that uh and and since we all crave a certain sense of meaning and significance after a while you may things may not make it much sense anymore. I think we are social creatures. But I think you're right that um, so that, you know, there's a dimension of the philosophy of action, which I haven't studied, thought about so much. But I think it's very important, which is the idea of group agency and the notion of, you know, so we think we might have an understanding of what it is for me to act intentionally. So to aim at something and know what I'm doing and to uh, take steps to achieve my goals and so on. But of course, we do a lot of things as groups, so we we achieve many tasks only as groups in in all sorts of uh, ways. And I think uh, so that the idea of what it is for a group to have a, an intention, for example, or mm. or to or to believe something, it's, it's philosophically interesting and problematic uh, because it's not just, as it were. The addition of many individuals having the intention. Perhaps sometimes you don't need any particular individual to have Mm -hmm. the the intention that the group, as it were, needs to have. So, you know, understanding how that um, is possible or how it's realized is is quite interesting. Uh, But I think, as I was saying, you know, the the sense of power that a group can give you is also goes a little bit with uh, losing some of the control and that. Is or has tremendous dangers, of course, when people uh, do things in groups that they would not dream of even thinking about doing uh, individually because uh, there are things which they abhor, you know, they find appalling and abhorrent. And I was thinking when you said being in a group sometimes makes you so, lose the sense of, of uh, perhaps the detail and it all becomes confusing and perhaps you don't. I was thinking maybe you feel you're not in control of... uh, And I I guess I think many of us feel that we need some moments when we let go a little bit of Mm. (laughs) this uh, self-control and and it's fine to be in a group and to have fun at a slightly superficial level without reflecting, maybe dancing, maybe laughing, you know. Um, But it is true that if you move primarily at that level all the time then you are losing touch with yeah, who yeah, you yeah. are and and as i said you maybe end up doing things that even if you don't think are wrong perhaps you after a while think i'm just wasting my time what am i doing i'm not mm. so it's it's a real balance for us to find um a real sort of difficult, um task to find the balance between being who we want to be and and focusing on ourselves and working on ourselves mm. to 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 uh, examine who we are and so on, and at the same time being cooperative, being part of a group, and feeling that we are not alone. Mm. That also we have people we love and care about, and we are acting for them mm. and so on. So yes, you know, the challenges are immense, and yeah. and though you know in different ways, which uh, are challenges which are practical, but that we understand. I think better by thinking philosophically about them, in philosophy of action, as I said, in politics, um, in uh, philosophy of mind, and mm. so on.
0: Yeah, and I, I wanted I wanted to ask you about um, uh, how, because I think one one problem on the left is that um, people, especially people around me, live in this insulated circle where there is the same kind of progressive narrative mm-hmm. being shared between everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's really misleading. I was nearly certain that Corbyn was going to win the election. Really? Well, like... That's I, amazing. I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I was just surrounded by so many... Oh, oh sorry, the light sometimes. Um, That's fine, thanks. Um, yeah, I was surrounded by so many people who were so helpful. I live in East London. Uh-huh. Um, in like a warehouse with artists. So I guess um, it doesn't feel, yeah, and like everyone in my neighborhood are these kind of progressive types who are interested in mm-hmm. kind of you know, socialist politics or whatever. Um, but I don't think there was very much engagement with uh, like the world outside. Beyond of, those. Yeah, beyond, yeah. so like I would walk down the street and I'd be like, ah, oh, like Extinction Rebellion. Yeah, like, <laughs> like everyone's vegan, this is great. Um, and then I'd like return home and go and sit in my room and like I'd think about what kind of world I wanted to create based on like you know conversations i'd had and and whatever but I'd realized that um i hadn't really I hadn't really engaged especially in conversation mm-hmm. with competing ideologies mm-hmm. um and even on this podcast, it's like like i yeah I guess I'm. I'm I'm hesitant to kind of, you know, interview someone with... I guess I interviewed Peter Singer, who uh-huh. has extremely inflammatory views about um, disability and stuff, that mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, his... Uh, I guess most most of his politics are very progressive, but I didn't want to talk to him about that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So there's like this... Yeah, but in terms so of... So you
1: mean you're trying to keep off politics or you're just... Uh, no, 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 I'm
0: not trying to keep off politics uh-huh. because... But I'm trying to keep off... Well, I'm not I'm not trying to, but I just haven't really engaged too much with like conservatism. I right. haven't I haven't like invited anyone who I think is going to you know who's yeah, going to say like, you know, we need to ban immigration. Although Peter Singer said something recently in Australia, right. he was like, Not all asylum seekers belong here. But I interviewed him two years ago before he said that, so hopefully I can I don't know, he's pretty right. old. Hopefully he'll <laughs> still be around but, um, for another conversation. But yeah, I think the, the I've kind of gone off on a few different tangents, but I think the main point I want to make is that um, I, at least in my head, the line between individual, group, society, whatever, like as you get more and more macro, mm-hmm. the lines seem to become... Well, I don't know if the lines are ever clear. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of an agent, how much, yeah, I don't know how much, a, I don't know agency how much agency I actually have. have. Yes, and like, I don't know as a group how much agency the group has. So. Yes.
1: Now, I think that's a, a very interesting and difficult question. I mean, I was mm. thinking to go back to something you said initially, linking it to something I said that um, you said it, it is. A problem of the left that perhaps people tend to mix, let's say, with like-minded people, and and so they hear the same ideas and they keep being reinforced. Mm. Of course, that's true of also of the right. Of yeah. the right, it's true of every, most people who have strong political views. Mm. Um, and then there are, there are two groups, you might say, two other groups. One is perhaps people um, who more on the one hand and on the other hand. Mm. I think I would put myself more in that group Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had someone saying that Isaiah Berlin described himself as I can't remember the exact word but it was something of radically centrist or something (laughs) like that that's quite nice (laughs) it wasn't that phrase but that that was the idea Um, and uh, extreme center I think that's that's what he said Um, So there is, you know, that way of thinking. And then, of course, you know, I was saying the importance of reflection and so on. But then there may be a lot of people that you and I don't mix with and because they don't move in these academic uh, intelligentsia, so-called circles, Mm. um, who perhaps find, you know, I mean, everybody, of course, does some reflection, but perhaps, you know, either because their lives are so difficult and practical terms that they you know barely have time to do anything other than work really hard and and to earn what they need mm-hmm. to so or or because just their upbringing their uh, character whatever is is not naturally reflective so again it's not you know those are people that perhaps we also don't discuss mm-hmm. ideas with and and part of a political situation in in this country as well i th- what the outcome of what's happened recently has been a realization that uh that's quite a large number of group and g- a large group number of people a large group and they have um uh people have very different ideas and they don't all think that what are regarded as the acceptable ideas mm. are right that uh, they so i, I that's one I mentioned that I think, you know, the importance of reflection uh, is real. But I think, uh, I think, as Aristotle said, you know, doing philosophy is a luxury. You can only afford once your practical uh, needs are more or less met. And that's Mm. a very privileged thing, although perhaps everybody does a bit of philosophy if they are or, you know. Um, So I think that's an important thing to do anyway for people to to reflect on who they are and so on but we have to realize that some people cannot do because they don't have the op- cannot do it because they don't have the opportunity mm. or because they haven't had the training and uh, some people are just not that way inclined but i uh, you know to go back to your question what you know how much agency do we have and i think i think as i said i'm a bit of an optimist and i'm an optimist both at the personal level so i think that although we cannot change ourselves radically, I think we can engage in a a lifelong struggle to at least become more aware of what our motives are, Mm. what our strengths and weaknesses are, and how we might, you know, want to sometimes just accept them for Mm. what they are and not be totally self-deceived about the kind of person we are, and sometimes see how, you know, how it affects other people and so on. Uh, But also I think um at at the group level i think i i am also optimistic but but i think it's a massively difficult question to so to know for example uh i i think it is um a mistake a huge mistake to think that there is a set of good views right views and and that anybody who is in any way pushing a different view uh a is by that very fact, morally objectionable. Mm. Um, I mean, it depends on the view, obviously, but what I mean, you know, that there is this set of accepted views um, and then anybody who doesn't have them should not be given <laughs> a voice Or and, and also they have them because they are iniquitous people. I think we have to be more open-minded and also because, I mean, I'm not saying anything new, but surely the best way of combating views is arguing against them rather than banning them. Mm. Of course, we thought, you know, there are limits to what can be said, but I think those limits have to be pretty flexible in some ways because otherwise uh, the effect is totally the opposite of what would be ideal to achieve, which is greater understanding, greater conviction, mm. um, greater dialogue with people who, and accepting that people are going to have different views because maybe partly because, you know, in human life there is a huge variety of values that people can pursue and there is no ranking between them and people have different preferences and we have mm. to be quite tolerant. Yeah, I'm not saying anything that is hugely original, but <laughs> it's no, nonetheless no. it's true. I mean,
0: um, and like I think, I think the... One of the points of what you were saying is that it's not original like that the value there is value in it not being original. Right. and like <laughs> yeah. I think that's something that like especially I need to um, I need to try and really appreciate that like because yeah sometimes <clears throat> sometimes I don't want to entertain even the like the ideas mm-hmm. of of people on the right. I don't even want to listen to them. uh uh-huh. um, why is that? Well, I think, I think there comes a point where I find, I think over the years, I've become more and more sensitive to what I think is hateful. Right. And I think the threshold, my threshold, my tolerance for entertaining this kind of stuff is getting lower and lower. Right.
1: Um, I mean, uh, of course, I, it depends what we are talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Because I think you know, of course, you you hear things, uh, which, one has no patience. Yeah, yeah And yeah. should have no patience with like uh, someone saying that what is black is white mm. what is red is blue. Mm. And I mean, just lying, mm. you know, straightforwardly and and uh, claiming that things that are true are fake news mm. yeah, and so on. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't need to name any names. Mm. And those things are. You know one loses patience with yeah. even hearing those but th- those are not views those are just as it were pronouncements, political moves which are totally objectionable. I think it's different if you think about people who perhaps you know i think you know what it what it means to be in the right and the left is also now so difficult to um but if if you think that there are some people who think, look um the way society works best is that is if we give people a sense of responsibility for their own actions and so on. And that's not, you know, promoted, best promoted by having very comfortable, uh, very generous welfare Mm. provisions. Now, I think that's a political view. I don't think that's in itself objectionable. Mm, mm. And I think um, that's the kind of thing that one should debate and discuss. Um, So I think that's different from... Either what I said earlier, or insulting people, yeah. and and you know, and classifying people uh, as uh, being of a certain um, you know b- being criminals of a certain type because they belong to a particular ethnic group or nationality, and so on. That doesn't even need to be saying that mm. with those views. I don't think those are the views of the right. Although it is true that many people who are on the right mm. have those views, but I think one has to separate the political views from those uh, absolutely objectionable, unacceptable claims mm. th- that are just stupid. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs>
0: hey, I like I I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think that yeah that there are there are some things that people should be allowed to speak about, like. Um, you know, I guess like you gave the example of social welfare. I think that is something mm-hmm. that we should discuss. And I think, and even if people have extreme views on, on that topic, I I will listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that what I was trying to say was that, um, like, m- my dad comes from Algeria. Mm-hmm. Um, his family are Muslim. He's, he's no longer a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been, I guess, the target of a lot of Islamophobic slurs right. um, over the years. Um, and so I've become very I, – I haven't been racialized as much as he has, mm-hmm. but I've become very sensitive to that through him. Right. And so when I hear things about race, mm-hmm. I guess my tolerance – it's funny that I'm using the word tolerance. Yeah, um, well no, I mean that <laughs> is
1: of course uh, an issue about uh precisely the left. What you know, what should we tolerate? Yeah, I mean I I did, I, I mean I, I guess uh there is a, I, I don't want to in any way disagree with you. I think if you are talking one to one to someone that you think is worth discussing, i.e. someone to who is willing to engage in discussion, even perhaps those things you might say. Well, you know, what's your evidence for that? Do you actually know anybody mm-hmm. of this group that you're talking about? Um, um, you know, who knows? Maybe you might be able to make some progress to understand why they think that, mm-hmm. and and so on, and perhaps they might. I, I mean, you know, one thing that is is true when you know philosophers are very argumentative, and uh when we give papers or when we have seminars. Uh, sometimes people from other disciplines say, you know, all you do is tell other people that they are wrong and why and, and so on. It's, it's all very destructive. And I think, well, partly in the profession, people ha- have become aware that perhaps there are more positive ways of doing that. But it's still true that we are trying to test arguments and press them and push mm-hmm. them and so on. And that's... and uh, But one thing, I mean, the reason why I'm, I mentioned this is that... Uh, it is true probably that you don't convince anybody in a discussion like that, but it's also true that people go away and think about it and yeah. so on and gradually maybe they change their minds yeah, or yeah. they nuance their views so I think even very objectionable views, one might find the right forum for engaging in mm. discussion i mean that's different from giving them uh you know views that are uh offensive in ways that perhaps are not um I, I don't like to say offensive because since everything is you know we've reached this state where this has become such a loaded word but you know i think what i'm trying to say is that there may be uh forums or situations where even discussion with those people may be fruitful uh which is different from saying that we should uh, give them a megaphone and let them speak to a group or, you know, give a lecture to yeah, our students yeah, yeah. or whatever. But, you know, debate and so on. I, th- mm. I think that's more constructive than... Uh, but, of course, what you're talking about is a slightly different thing, which is to to be at the receiving end of insults or, or attitudes which are dismissive. I mean, and which are undermining of... People's agency because yeah. they are exactly saying, "This is w- n- this is what you can do, and mm-hmm. no more." And and this is or this is what you do. This. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it may just be false, or it may be distorted, or it may be uh, that yes, that is what you do, but the reasons why are nothing to do with your choices. Mm-hmm. So that's to use that sort of uh, word disempowering. Uh, it takes away your power that your powers to, to do mm-hmm. things um and and that's very uh undermining and has to be fought because it helps to perpetuate the same power structures i'm sounding like some kind of <laughs>
0: no no but hey i <laughs> it's like tr- you're, yeah. that, that that's right like yeah. um and i think i think initially why why i was saying that i've become very sensitive to kind of, you know, uh, uh, I guess oppressive racial politics. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think, I think so- some of the time uh, me refusing to engage mm-hmm. with those kind of views is actually destructive mm-hmm. because of what you just said. Like mm-hmm. what needs, what, if we are to make, Okay, so this is something else that we we can talk about, like in terms of moral progress, like what constitutes moral progress. But if we are to make progress in terms of building a kind of society where everyone's agency is respected and valued, and um, people are able to freely exercise, so
1: long as it's reasonable. (laughs) So long as so long as (laughs) it's reasonable.
0: Um, But you know, in a society where people aren't racially profiled, where Mm -hmm. you know there isn't sexism, where yeah, if, we are, if, that, if that is something that we want to work towards, um, I think it's problematic to do what I do when mm-hmm. I hear any kind of slightly... Oh, well, not, not all the time, but if... Yeah, I guess... Like, I had, I had a conversation. I interviewed one of my housemates. Mm-hmm. And um, he's someone I care very much about. And he went on this long kind of tirade about uh, colonialism... Right. And he's like, he's a white English man. And I had just told him a kind of personal anecdote about, um, you know, how I when I go to France, I feel out of place. Right. And I feel, um, you know, rejected when I kind of announce my Algerian heritage or right. something. And so there was just kind of this mismatch between like my personal anecdote and then him going on this long like. And so like. But he was attacking
1: colonialism or defending it? Uh, We're just saying uh, it's, it's misunderstood. It's not. The yeah, as it like
0: was. yeah. I, I just I didn't think that like it was very upsetting for me. And uh-huh. we actually had the rest of the interview. We like we stopped the interview and then we had another n- conversation right. about what went wrong and like why I felt mm-hmm. that way. And I think that, that that's one of the few times where I've actually done something like that. Where mm-hmm. and like he he's like he's my housemate. I care about him a lot. And. Mm-hmm. um yeah, like even in that situation, it's hard to kind of engage with. Um, it's hard to engage with like narratives that you feel have that you feel stifle your agency. Maybe mm-hmm. if if we're looking at things in terms of agency, um, yeah, and and it's hard. To, yeah, and I think that's something that I want to work on. I want to feel. I don't want to feel like the only thing I can do is, like. Pretend shut down. Yeah, sh- shut down and yeah. like refuse yeah. to communicate. But, yes. Um,
1: I mean, I suppose um, often the question is why are people coming up with those views? Where, where do they come from? Um, sometimes perhaps it's a fear that things are changing very quickly and that you don't quite see where things that you value or that you think are part of your identity where they 're going to fit in this quickly changing sort of uh, scenario where you know you, you were quite clear about what the role of someone that perhaps you hadn 't even thought about but suddenly is being uh, defined for you and is not very attractive picture, and also it 's being slightly challenged and and perhaps radically changed um, there is a fear. Sometimes there may be a sense that, that there is some injustice in some of the criticisms, which may not be quite true, but is difficult to accept. Uh, I think a very interesting question, which, um, again, I haven't worked on and it's not really, uh, but it's the acceptance of uh, guilt or blame for what people of your own, Group, whatever your own group, nationality, or race, or uh, gender, <laughs> uh, have done in the past, and and it's just uncomfortable to accept that, and and to know how to react, and of course, link to that, you know, what kind of um, compensation of, of in whatever form that uh, demands. So perhaps that's part of the reason why people sometimes, you know. Um or, or the perception that someone else is getting a lot of privilege now and uh, so I mean I don't know what your view is about why because you know, most people are not horrible. <laughs> most people are like you and me, yeah. probably okay-ish, not great, not <laughs> horrible either. Um so why why do you think that the people that have the views that you think are so awful have those views?
0: Um I I think it's because um there has been a lack of uh there has been a lack of experience of the world that people on the other side right. tell them exists. Yeah. Um so I think as an agent one thing as we've spoken about one thing that informs one thing that informs us is our world. Um and what our world is, at least I believe, is the world that is around us, mm-hmm. pretty much immediately around us. Right. Um, immediately around, there's like a hierarchy of how how much different worlds impact us. There's a hierarchy of worlds which influence us as agents. So I think, like, maybe you you disagree, but I think the first the first I actually haven't thought about this too much in in these terms, but I guess like this is just me extrapolating from another belief um that i think so the question you asked me was why do these people have these views was mm-hmm, that, yeah okay.
1: people who you otherwise think oh, i don't mean your housemate who i'm sure is fine i mean generally people mm. who yeah, well, may think are uh, per- perfectly nice people in some ways but actually but they, yeah, yeah yeah
0: i think that i think that they haven't so i think the the most important thing that influences you as an agent is your immediate surroundings and the people around you. Mm -hmm. So family, friends, then there are other things like social media news. And then there are other things like, um, the, the, our processing of experiences, Mm -hmm. our response to things that happen Mm -hmm. that aren't from family and friends. Like, um, I don't know if you see someone get injured or something, right. and then it impacts you. So I think the people that have these views are in some kind of epistemic poverty mm-hmm. when it comes to race, for example. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I think, I don't think that anyone, I don't think that a human being is inherently racist. Right. I don't think that that is a property of what it means mm-hmm. to be a human being. I think that. People who might otherwise be very nice people, you know, they care for their family, um, they contribute to society in a meaningful way, they have a job, I'm not sure, whatever. (laughs) Um, uh, But I think that, yeah, there has been some kind of uh, misaligned or um, some kind of lack of experience when it comes to those areas where they have the views that i don't like mm-hmm. um and then they could obviously say the same thing to me the reason why you believe this is because you have had particular experiences um i you
1: know, mean that must be true that obviously but, but as, as i was saying i suppose the difference is uh, how resilient are those views to critical reflection yeah, yeah. Uh, which
0: is what yeah yeah is, exactly yeah and that's um, why
1: it's good to engage with the views, yeah. because you need to press put pressure on them, poke them and see hopefully they will collapse. But I mean I was I'm wondering, I think you're right that perhaps human beings are not naturally racist, but you might think that we are instinctively um inclined to protect our group.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Family, yeah, friends. I I wouldn't dispute so that claim. Yeah. And I think because i i think we talk about racism now much more loosely than uh so I, sometimes when people say you know i don't like immigration they may not actually be thinking of particular racial groups mm. that that may not be the issue for them for them the issue is perhaps socio or cultural socio so they don't want people from outside whatever they look like um uh, to come and, as, I, as they say, distort their culture or the opportunities, dilute the opportunities that there are, and so on. So that's maybe a kind of tribal mm. instinct. Um, so and that's why people may say, "I'm not racist, just because I don't like immigration," which may be quite true. Mm. Um, I mean, they may also be racist, but that may not be the reason. Yeah. Um, so I think that's. I think that's, again, something that is uh, a difficult balance for us because I think it is right. I mean, I think I disagree with Peter Singer, who seems to think that it's not right to give preference to your loved ones and Mm. so on in certain respects. I think he's wrong about that. I think Mm. human life would, as Bernard Williams, I think, said, would just not be the kind of life that we recognize if, if that wasn't. Part you know sort of um, given in our lives, on the other hand, obviously there is you know we are all human beings, and there are animals who are not human beings, but have also certain features and and we need to take all of those things in all you know, the other people and so into account when we make our decisions and that's a very difficult mm. issue, I think um I mean, not, maybe not very difficult theoretically. You should respect everybody and so on, but when you translate it practically, that's hard. There. So I think you're right that we are not, uh, I'm sure, for example, children are not naturally racist. Perhaps they don't even notice that. And, uh, perhaps it depends what their upbringing is, but there is a tribalism which is, I think an aspect of it is good and an aspect of it. Or, the ways in which it can be developed may be quite bad, and we need to mm. be checking on it all the time
0: yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, and one one thing that I've asked like probably every guest is some some variant of the same question. How do you think so so I said before that I think that the reason why certain people may have views that I find. That I have spent time critically analyzing and have reached some kind of conclusion, like I don't think it's i think Islamophobia is mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. I don't think there are any circumstances in which that behavior is good mm-hmm. <clears throat> um maybe you can come up with some ridiculous thought experiment as <laughs> philosophers do um but yeah in in reasonable terms in the in yeah. In reasonable circumstances, i don't think there are any grounds where that kind of behavior is good so to the to the bigot, to the racist person
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, who thinks that islamophobia is i don't know self justifying
1: how would you characterize islamophobia um,
0: Oh well, I guess uh, uh, a hatred towards um Muslims, mm-hmm. and I guess, it, it like, it, it I'm, when I say Islamophobia, like, I guess, I, really, I'm just saying that like racism, any kind of, um, or, you know, f- religious phobias, or mm-hmm. things like that. But it's just the kind of belief that, yeah, that says that if you look like this, if you believe, if you have this way of engaging with the world, like, I don't want you in my world. But
1: So here is – now you've kind of closed a circle a little because you uh, – there may be views, and I'm not saying that people spouse because of their allegiance to either a religion mm. or a social group or nationality or whatever, um, which – so I'm not saying that they do go with their religion or they being – of that nation, but they have accrued, as it were, they've become attached to, mm. to that. and um, So some people may think, you know, the view that women are inferior is part and parcel of a certain um, cultural view or religious views, mm. or whatever. So would you not say... That people, I do want to. I don't want that view anywhere near me. You said earlier that that's what you were doing. So, are you? Why is that different?
0: Why is Islamophobia different too?
1: Why? No, I'm. <laughs> I'm trying to, to say to 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 see. No, of course. Oh, it, why
0: is one view less harmful than another? Is uh, that, or s- for me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, so yeah. subjectively, exactly. Why? Yes. Why do I allow? Why do I entertain some things and refuse to entertain others? Exactly. Yes. Um, I I think some issues feel closer to me, mm-hmm. and I think um, I think I feel some kind of uh, I think I feel some kind of inclination to be protected from them. Right. Um so I guess Islamophobia i am not Muslim um but I feel close to it because my in, the entire side of my dad's family are mm-hmm. um and many of them have suffered uh as a result of I guess um yeah you know there's uh the Front National in France mm-hmm. um Marine Le Pen she yeah um she isn't doing very nice things but um i guess i i feel more protective of that because it's closer to my world Mm -hmm. than than some other some other things Mm -hmm. and so i think if i were to i actually haven't thought about this too much like why Mm -hmm. that is something i care about but i imagine it's because it's had a big you've experienced yeah it's it's, it's it's had a big it's and that that's i think like that's the that's a problem Uh, i don't have i don't I'm not as I don't have as rich an understanding of the consequences of other mm-hmm. problems because other forms of discrimination. Uh, uh, yeah, other forms of yeah, yeah. Of, of of anything. Because I haven't experienced them myself. I can think about them. I can see them. But, yeah. but I yeah, maybe as an agent I haven't like but I I'm not sure.
1: Okay, so that's interesting. What I was asking you is slightly different. Okay. I I I didn't express it clearly. Um so if someone said to you, Look, you you tell me that I shouldn't be prejudiced against Islam, but the reason why I don't like Islam is that I think they is the views are demeaning to women, ah, okay. let's say. Hmm. So, and that's why I don't like I mean, of course that's not um not you know, that's different from uh going around abusing people mm. because they are Muslims or whatever. Mm, but mm, mm. they may say, you know, I object to that. Um, what do you think that, that I was asking you? That's, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, um, if, if that was the justification that someone gave. Okay. Uh, which indeed some people do <laughs> give that justification, that sort of justification. Indeed, some people who are have been brought up as Muslims and have abandoned mm. that position. What What's your?
0: Um, I, I guess, I don't. I don't think that. Um, The insights into Islam that I have seen through my family haven't. There hasn't been. uh, I guess the 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 women in my dad's side of the family are the leaders of the family. There's this kind of strong matriarchy, and they have been much more successful than the men. Right. Um, And yeah, okay. So I'm I'm going off off topic, but to answer your question, I don't think it's fair to reject. A belief system as right. complex yes. as Islam or any other kind of yeah. um, big religion, on the grounds that there is there are a few things. Because I don't think that it's I don't so think you
1: just think is is mistaken, is false. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 that's what what I was what we were talking about earlier. That sometimes the thing to say is, "Have you actually met any person? Yeah, have yeah. you actually talked to anybody? Uh, yes, you have seen on television some example of some extreme, mm-hmm. but the extreme doesn't represent mm. uh, the the reality of the norm, just as you know, some crazy uh, radical right wing person doesn't represent every person who no. has uh, views that are mm. on the right. Let's say so. I, I agree with you mm. that that's the 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 right attitude to mm. take. To say, look, you're just deeply mistaken about yeah, it, you're come making and have assumptions. With my family <laughs> Exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and, and you'll see. That. And yeah. I, I guess that's. Um, why I mean I, you know I was thinking, going back to to the original topic of having agency and, and the idea that part of what it is to be an agent is to make a difference, and what you're saying uh, how people feel that they're being diminished by being stereotyped and mm. being told that's what you do or that's what you think or that's your attitude when perhaps it isn't, and, mm. and people t- just don't know, and you know there is we might think like two aspects uh, or or not quite two aspects but uh, if you want to change something in the world you know how much agency you have you need to do something for example you need to say things or you need to um, do you know change move things uh, and sometimes the situation is such that you're saying something has absolutely no effect and in that sense then you're being deprived of agency Mm. because uh, the effect that it ought to have that you've said such and such is systematically being um, prevented, shut down in ways which may be subtle or not Um, or you're doing something, you're voting you're all sorts of things or you're trying to do things and you're being frustrated and I, I, I agree that a lot of Prejudice has precisely that effect mm. of of uh, not apparently denying new agency because you can say what you want and you can do what you want, but it doesn't have the effect that it should have and that it ought to have because of the conditions in which you do it, and mm. and that's um, something that, as were theoretically. I understand in terms of, you know, you can have a power and an ability to do something, but you also need the opportunities. Mm. Without the opportunity, you cannot really exercise the power. Those are sort of Aristotelian concepts uh, of, you know, power and opportunity. So we have, when we have an ability or a power and the opportunity, then we can choose whether to exercise that power or not. That's part of the human capacity for choice. But without opportunities then choices uh, being removed mm. because you you just don't have, uh, you still have the power, maybe in, in, in the sense that you, you have the ability to do those things, but you cannot really exercise it. And I think a lot of, well, social injustice and prejudice are precisely denying opportunities yeah. to, to be genuine agents. And that's why people feel that they don't have agency, even though... Nobody is preventing them as it were from moving around and perhaps saying whatever they want to say and but it just has no effect, no mm. significant effect and yeah that's uh that's that's it. <laughs> the really one of the really difficult things as we were talking earlier about big techs and so on, that they apparently may give us lots of choices, but in fact the choices are very constrained because the illusion. Exactly. The the real opportunities are um, either because of lack of information or because of uh, lack of options
0: or whatever.
2: Mm.
1: Um, We may have to stuff yeah well, yeah <laughs> well hey
0: um thank you thank you very much you've given me a lot of your time so uh I, well Maria. it's been very interesting talking Hi. to you i think hey, you i've learned a lot and oh, <laughs> so have I. And thanks beautiful. for thanks for making the time to talk thank you
2: thank okay you. bye <laughs> My whole day okay kind of like i traveled down the one way there's no way to stop feeling okay it's not great it's more like i'm great all day